Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. So glad that you guys are with us today on this Mother's Day. Like Aisha said, it is Mother's Day, and, and, uh, and we, we, we get a chance to say Happy Mother's Day to our moms. I get a chance to say Happy Mother's Day to my uh, First, I got to say Happy Mother's Day to my, to my daughter-in-law. Uh, we call them daughter-in-love. It's, it's uh, Emily. She's the one that gave me a, a grandkid. So we got to say Happy Mother's Day to her. I mean, when is it Grandparents' Day? That's what I want to know because I'm just loving being a grandpa. And I've been told that every day is Grandpa's Day, and, and, uh, and that's the way I feel. I just love that. I, I've got to say Happy Mother's Day to my wife, to Jackie, and um, you know, and, and, and then I especially have to say Happy Mother's Day to my own mom. Before I say Happy Mother's Day to her, though, Aisha forgot to say Happy Mother's Day to her own mom. In fact, this is her, Aisha and her mom, and that's, that's Mrs. Hatchie. And, and, uh, and I mean, I got to tell you, Miss Hatchie, it, she, she loves you still. Even though she totally forgot about you on Mother's Day, she still loves you. See there. Did I cover that okay, Aisha? Is that okay? All right. Now, my mom, who I really love and I remember, is, this is my mom. This is, she, uh, this is her with some of her, like, 15 grandkids. And, um, and I got to tell you, Mom, I love you. I miss you. I'm, I'm sorry. I always say I'm sorry to my mom these days. Ever since I've had kids, I say I'm sorry to my mom. Because, I mean, she had four boys and a boy dog, and everything was, a, was, was just dudes around the house. And she had to put up with our life. And she was a music major at Gonzaga University, and she had to, she had to learn all the sports stuff. And she'd go to our basketball games and count the number of dribbles that I would do. And it's like, oh, thanks for the stats, Mom. You know, my, my mom did all of that for us. She, she wished she had a girl at some point when we finally had a, 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 a when we had a girl, when Ella came out first for us. My mom was in the hall. She heard it was a girl, and we hear we have it on video. She says, it's a girl. She was so excited. There was finally a girl in the house. She's put up with a lot. And so, Mom, I, I'm sorry. I love you. Your card, I normally would say your card's in the mail, but I'm in front of a bunch of people, and I cannot lie. Your card will be in the mail tomorrow. First thing, first thing. I'm going to write some great things about you, and I'll put it in the mail. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. All right? All right, well, let's get, let's get going with what we're talking about today, you guys. This is, we're continuing a series called Make It Matter. And, and this is, the series is all about the fact that God, see, his will for us in our life is for us to be sanctified. His will for us in our life is for us to grow more and more into Christ's likeness. And as we grow more and more into Christ's likeness, he wants us to then live that out in this world. He wants to make it matter what he's doing in the hearts of each one of us, in the lives of other people as well. He wants us to make it matter. And when I think about that topic, when I think about making it matter, I think about the sermon that I gave, the second sermon that I, that I ever given in a cent. We were in the Omni Hotel. We're all in there. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm talking to everybody about, about the fact that if God is calling us to be light in this world, he... he Light has, has concentric circles that come out from it. See, watch this. If you, if you look at the sun and you take a picture of the sun, you can see concentric circles. You can see different circles coming out. If you do that, if you look at a star, you'd see the same thing. If you look at a flashlight, a flashlight up against the screen really close to it, you'll see those same circles. And God is calling us to, to, be, to make it matter, to make a difference, to live out our faith to each of the circles of our life. There might be a first circle that is our family, 
that is our spouse, that is our kids, that is our, our close family, our close friendships. That might be a first circle. And then you might come out from there and the second circle might be, might be just the, the, our workmates and the people we're going to church with and, and the, the, our next door neighbor that we've been neighbors with a long time. That might be a second circle. Our third circle might be our community. Our fourth circle might be our world. When we were at the Omni in that first, I, I told them that second service, I said, you know what our first circle is for us as a church right now? It's not each of you guys that come. Our first circle at the Omni were the people that we were walking in to, and, and, and that were holding the door open for us at the hotel. See, if, I, if we're not going to make it matter to the very first people that we see on a Sunday, man, we're not living out what Jesus is calling us to live out. If we're not making it matter to the custodian that helped set up the chairs at the Omni Hotel, we're missing our, that very first circle that we had before anything else, before anybody else even came in. And so we talked about how, how much are we, are we aware of our first and our second and our third and our fourth circles? How much are we aware of that in our lives? See, Jesus, when he leaves us, his Holy Spirit says, now, I want you to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Those were the circles. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And he didn't put any, any more importance on one than the other. They were all important. He didn't want us to neglect any one of them. It's funny, when I was to do college ministry all those years, there'd be times where a student would go on a mission trip and they'd go off to, to Romania, into an orphanage in Romania, and their parents are the ones that I would talk to because their parents would say, why are they going off to some other country when we've got problems in our own backyard? And my response to it would be, we do, and they do. And you know what? In God's, in God's world, there's no boundaries, and so he wants us to go to each one. And that's part of making it matter, is recognizing the different circles and saying, this is important to people that are super close to you. And it's important for us to look at it all the way out to the people in this world. It's all important. It's all part of living out what I'm putting in each one of us. Now, now, when we talk about Make It Matter, and we've been doing this series, I recognize, I recognize that, that in the midst of COVID and a pandemic, it's been hard to do this. In the midst of the political unrest that's, been, that's happened, the, the division that's happened in our country over the last couple of years, it has been, this has been a challenging season to make it matter. It's been, it's, it's challenging and so for many of us, we've gone, I, I used to be able to do that, but now not so much. Well, today what I want to talk about is, is while those things might have been a hindrance to us making it matter, I want to ask something else. Do you think that maybe some of the things that are hindering us from making it matter is us? Maybe we're carrying some stuff. Maybe we're standing in the way of what the Lord is wanting to do in this, in this world. Maybe there's things in us that, we, that we're not even fully aware of, or maybe we are aware of, that's blinding us from seeing people, that's blinding us from seeing what, the need that's out there. Today I want to talk about the blind spots that we have 
that might be hindering us from making it matter in each of the circles of our life. Now, in order to do that, I recognize if we're talking about blind spots, we're talking about things that we don't quite know is happening in our own life. And what that's going to take today is a significant amount of humility. It's going to take each one of us taking that massive, massive thing on our back that we call pride, and it's setting it aside and saying, no, I need to receive this with all the humility that I can because I have to admit, we all have to admit, we have blind spots that we need to address. And that's going to take humility to address them. Bishop T.D. Jakes is a pastor and a phenomenal communicator. And he talked about this in a little way. And he said, he said it's, it's, when it comes to humility and pride, he said, the sun shines with the same intensity on two different substances. One is, is wax and one is clay. Sun shines on both of them. One of them hardens and one of them softens. That clay, when that sun hits it and, and hits that clay, it hardens the clay. When the sun hits that wax, it, it melts and it softens and it receives that, what the sun is bringing. And so, and so what he was saying is, the truth is still coming to each one of us, to each one of the chairs in here, for each person sitting online watching right now. The truth is coming to each one of us. And the question is, is it hitting clay? What's the substance? Is it hitting clay and hardening or is it hitting wax and softening where you're moldable? Today, I want to pray that each one of us would receive this truth with, with, with receive it knowing that yes, I got blind spots and yes, Jesus is here with his grace and his love. It's exactly the song that Kelsey just led us in. It's search, it's see my heart, Lord. See my life, Lord. I, see, I know you see it. Speak what is true. Father, I'm going to pray this morning, right now, that each one of us, that we would, that we would recognize that we, we really, in a lot of ways, have the choice, clay or wax here, hardened or softened. God, soften our hearts enough to hear what you have to speak to us about so that we can live out what you're calling us to live out so that we really can make this matter. What you've given to us, we can make it matter in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, here's the deal. I'm, I've been, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about uh, the, the illustration I kept having in my head was blinders. The blinders at a, at a racetrack. You know, when you go to a racetrack, to a horse racetrack, and you see those horses and the masks that they're wearing, they wear these blinders. Check it out. Look at this. So the horse wears these, these, this mask that has these half, those are called half blinders. And what those half blinders do is they keep the horse from paying attention to the other horses or to pay attention to the distractions around them and focus right down the middle of the track. They just, it keeps them focused in right here. The bl the, these blinders do. And that's, I was thinking about that going, that's exactly what we're talking about. Sometimes we end up getting so focused on right here on me and what's happening in my life, especially in the midst of COVID over these last year and a half or so, we're so focused here that we're missing all the people and, and around us. We're missing all the other things around us and we get focused like this. Now, now I was so captured by that idea of the blinders that I, and I ordered uh, uh, one of those horse masks. And I thought, you know what would be powerful? What if I did like half the sermon 
in this horse mask, just to show, just to, you'd get annoyed at it, but just to show you this is what blinders are like. So I like to live our life with blinders on. So I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach in this. So I got it. I was so excited to get it. And I, and I put it on and I realized something. My head's smaller than a horse head. And, and so now when I'm talking, this is supposed to be around my eyes. And it's like my ears have blinders. And so it totally ruins the illustration. So I'm not going to use that. Uh, I know, it's crazy. I was like, come on, I'm the guy that needs to preach in that. And, I, and I, I'm not gonna. So we changed it. It's not about the blinders, it's just about blind spots, okay? It's blind spots that we've got. I was talking to a buddy of mine, a guy named Dave Lutz. He's in my covenant group, and, and we, we talk once a month. We, this is a group that we meet with once a year, and man, we just unpack life with each other. But in, in, Dave and I decided, let's just check in once a month. He's a therapist in Seattle. And I was asking him, what is he seeing when he meets with mostly business people and he's sitting there in his office over these last couple of years, what are you seeing? And he said, he said, you know what I'm seeing, Bill? He's saying, I'm seeing a lot of folks that are, are really narrowly focused in. He's saying, we've kind of lost touch with the people around us. We've lost touch with the needs around us. We don't like what we're hearing around us, and so it focuses us in even more. And he says, and he says what's happening and what he's hearing from these, these people that he's meeting with is he's saying, because they're so focused in and they're not paying attention to what else is out there, he's going, we've lost sight of, of what the Lord is really calling us to do. He's not meeting with just, he's meeting with all, people from all different backgrounds. He's not just Christians or whatever. He's, he's going, we've lost sight of, of being a conduit of God's love. We've lost sight of being a conduit of God's mercy. And we're focused in pretty tightly on ourselves. And he said, and he said, he said I believe what needs to happen is the scales need to fall off. He says, the people that I'm meeting with, they're blind, and the scales need to fall off so they can see people again. He and I were talking through that a little bit more, and what we were talking about was a passage of Scripture in, in Acts. We're talking about a guy named Paul that wrote a lot of the New Testament. But before he wrote a lot of the encouraging words of the New Testament, he was a guy that, that looked at, at, at religion as you're in or you're out. And he didn't like the people that were out. And when they started talking about Jesus and the way, he didn't like it at all. And so he started to condemn those people and, and throw those guys in jail and, 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 and murder. There was even murder that was happening at this time. And so Paul is looking at the in and the out of people. He saw it only as religion. He did not see people. The blinders were absolutely on. He only saw it this way. And here's what happened, okay? This is in Acts chapter 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, that was his name before he changed it to Paul, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any follower of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can you imagine what that had to have been like for him to be sitting there who was persecuting Jesus? He was persecuting him. 
He was persecuting anybody that believed in him. And now he hears a voice and he says, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am that very person that you're persecuting. I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. Of course they were, total understatement. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days. He did not eat or drink. Think about those three days for Paul. He doesn't know if this is going to last the rest of his life. He's blind. He's been throwing Christians in jail. And Jesus gets a hold of him and says, by the way, uh, this is true. He's telling people, I can't believe you believe that he actually rose from the dead and now he's hearing Jesus' voice. How, how scary was that in that moment of his blindness? Well, Ananias comes to him, someone sent by God to come to him. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. You guys, something like scales fell off. He was blind to people. He was blind to what the, the truth of God's love really is for all people. He was blind to God's mercy for all people. He was blind to his forgiveness for all people. And so instead, he, he kept that. And, and condemned them. And then he was, then that blindness, all of a sudden, those scales fell off. And he saw people the way God sees people. And he said, this message needs to go to everyone. His love needs to go to everyone. His love needs to go to my best friend. And his love needs to go to my worst enemy. And I need to be able to give that to all. The scales fell off. When we look at our life and we look at making it matter and we look at the circles, the question is, are we praying? Are we recognizing the blind spots in our life that are prohibiting us from really, really seeing people as people and then making it matter in the life of the people that we're around? When you look at each of the circles, look at that first circle. When you look at that first circle and you think about making it matter in that first circle, man, I just want to be a, a somebody that's making it matter with my kids, making it matter with my wife, making it matter with my close, close friends. I want to make it matter with my parents. I want to make it matter. You want to do that, but we've got blind spots that's keeping us from doing that. We all have them, and those need to be exposed. I want you to think, for as, you, as parents, how much easier it is for you to, to forgive somebody else's kids than to forgive your own kid? That's a blind spot. Kids, how much easier it is it when you go to somebody's house for you to just respect those parents and to talk to those parents and you finish dinner at someone's house and you bring the dish to the sink and, and you don't do any of that at home? Come on. That's a blind spot college students. You know that I'm not going to forget you guys. I love you guys. But man, Christmas break, spring break, I used to have to remind our college students every single year, when you go home, you're going to revert back to when you were 12. I want you to remember, you've learned independence. 
You've celebrated that independence. You've celebrated that you can make your own meal. You celebrate that you know how to do your laundry now. You celebrate that you know how to, to drive in your car and fill up your car. But I guarantee you, the minute you go home, guess what? Hey, where's dinner? Where's dinner? And, and who's doing the laundry? And why my laundry stacking up here, Ma? You know, hey, Dad, can you drive the, my car today just to get, just to rotate those wheels? And when you're at it, will you stop at the gas station? We revert back to, to 16, maybe. And there's blind spots. We've all got them. The one that I think about more than any is in marriage. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's a real, um, that's a spot for me that I just, I, I want so badly to speak into our marriages and for there, there to be healthy marriages I want there to be the, the loving marriages, but I know we all have blind spots that can keep that from happening. I know we do, and we've got to recognize them. This is a, this is a first, that's the first circle of making it matter. Better recognize those blind spots. Man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've met with a couple where the husband might say, I can't wait to, to go serve God in Cuba, but then he's neglecting his own wife, and you're going, wait, you're... You're forgetting first circle. Man, how many of you, how many of you will go to work and you'll give your A game to work and your C game to your marriage? Meaning this, you'll get up and you'll go to work and you'll think through your day and you'll go, man, I just want to be, I want to be present in the lives of the people that I work with today. I want to be aware of the, of the, of the person that is hurting and I want to ask them how they're doing. I want to I hear somebody that's struggling. I want to encourage them. I want to affirm somebody that did it well or even that's trying. I want to affirm them. I'm going to be fully present and, and aware of all the things that are going on at work today. And maybe you do, and you come home from work at the end of the day, and you go, man, I did. That was, a, that was a great day. I actually was a really great workmate today. But you're tired and you come home and you say, man, I got to just de- I gotta, I gotta unplug at this point. I got to grab a beer, sit in front of the television, decompress. And we give our C game to all that's happening at home. You gave your A game to what's happening at work. All your greatest effort was there. You guys, that's a blind spot. Are you pursuing your spouse? If you're having trouble trying to figure that out, it's a blind spot. Jackie and I talk a lot about love tank, and we talk a lot about, about filling, making deposits into the tank that is the love we have for each other. And are we making deposits? Are we putting those in there? This is what we talked about with our, our couples of, of, of 10 years or less. We said, man, are you putting deposits into that tank? Are we, are we making sure the other person knows how much they're loved? There's a lot of marriages that are walking around with empty tanks because we're not putting anything in there. And we got to figure out what that is because that's a blind spot. Man, and I'm not speaking at you. I'm speaking with you because this is me too. There was a point in Jackie and my marriage, there was a point where, where we were two ships passing in the night and I wasn't pursuing her very well and I wasn't, I wasn't um, I heard that tank was empty and so we're not connecting emotionally. We're not connecting spiritually. We're not connecting physically. But for some reason, the physical part was the only one that I was concerned about. And I went and spoke to my mentor in my life, to Jim Raven. He's a psych, he was a psychiatrist in Boulder before he passed away a couple of years ago. 
And I went to talk to Jim about all this, and I wanted to just vent with Jim, and I wanted Jim to just say, yeah, that's what it's like, you know, a woman in her 40s, you know, and that's, I thought that's what he was going to say. And he said to me instead, he says, he says, Bill, are you pursuing Jackie? And I said, well, not right now, but it's because there's a lot of stuff going on at work. He says, are you loving Jackie the way she deserves to be loved? Well, I think so. I'm trying. Are you trying? Well, not really. He says, are you intentionally communicating with her? Intentionally having conversation with her about your relationship? On a side note, you guys, the av- for a couple, the average number of minutes that a, that, a, that a couple spends intentionally communicating with each other, where they're talking about things like anything. I mean, the bar is low on intentionally communicating with each other. Adventures you went on, adventures you want to go on, dreams that you had, dreams that you want to have, the way you want to be generous with your funds, the, your spiritual life and where you're at in that. Things that just build up your relationship. When, when the number of minutes that people spend on average talking about intentional parts of their relationship, 35 minutes a week. I spend an hour on a treadmill, 35 minutes a week with the most important relationship in my life besides my, besides my relationship with the Lord. And that's, that's blind spots. And Jim is telling me, man, you've got blind spots, Bill. That's what he was saying. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to get on your knees. I want you to apologize to your wife that you weren't, you're not being the husband that she deserves and the husband that she knows is there. I want you to apologize to her. At first, I was so mad at that. I'm like, wait, you were supposed to be on my side. And he's going, I'm on your, God, your side together. I'm on your side of your marriage and you've got blind spots that you need to figure out. And I went home and on my knees in tears, I apologized that I wasn't pursuing her, that I wasn't dating her, that I wasn't loving her the way she deserves to be loved. Now, did that save our marriage from divorce? And I, I was, I'm not saying that was the direction Jackie and I were going but it was erosion that was happening. And man, that all of a sudden fortified something up in us and said, man, that's, that's recognizing the blind spots in the first circle. We've got them. We gotta recognize them. You go out to the second circle and you think about, think about your neighbor that you don't even know their name and they've been your neighbor for 10 years. Where's your blind spot? That's a blind spot. Your, your, your workmates, how many of you guys right now are going to work and you walk in the building and you feel the weight of work already on you? You just feel it right there. It's like, ugh, I feel this. And then all of the frustrations of work come up. How many of you guys are feeling those frustrations that come up? And that was me too. I'm fe- I'd go into work, I'd feel the weight, I'd feel the frustration, I'd complain about it. I'm not getting paid enough. I'm not, I'm not getting recognized enough. I, I, I want to lead and they're not letting me lead. All those things were coming up in me and I was, I was frustrated and I lived my days frustrated at work. Jim's wife, Kathy, who's also a therapist, sat with me and just said, Bill, let me tell you what's happening in your life at work right now. He says, she says, here's what's happening. You're in a birdcage. And she said, there is, a, a, there is a swing in the birdcage, there is poo on the floor, and there's an open door. And she said, you have a choice. 
You can swing on the swing and enjoy what this, what this job is giving you. Enjoy what you're doing in this job. Remember why you're doing this job and swing on the swing. Or you can fly down to the, to the floor. My daughter's got a bird right now, or it's a little conure, and it poos like crazy. It's, birds are fun, but it poos like crazy. And, I'll, and she said, you could be on the floor. You could complain from down there. It stinks down there. You're walking around in crap down there. She's going, you can stay there or you can walk out the door. But it's your choice. See, my attitude had a blind spot. I blamed it on everything else but me. How in the world am I going to make it matter in my workplace if, I'm, if I've got blind spots that I don't want to address? We've got them. We've all got them. Listen to what David says about this, you guys. David says, David says in Psalm 19, he says, who can discern their own errors? I've got them, but who can discern them? And he says, he says this to the Lord, forgive my hidden faults. The beauty of that is he's confessing. I've got hidden faults. Who can, who can discern it? I've got hidden faults. And then in Psalm 139, David says, search me. You can feel how much David is begging in this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. You know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Find every blind spot, any grievous way in me and lead me towards the way you want me to live. Lead me towards making it matter. You go out to the, the next two circles, to your community and to your world. And how many blind spots do we have to our community? How much are we missing the need that's in our community? That's why we have good relationships with, with Chief Hayes and our principals of our schools. Because we're going, you know the need. Tell us the need so that we don't have blind spots to our community and meeting the needs in our community. I was talking to a friend that's a principal of the school. And he says, you know what my primary job is? putting out fires from parents. Because mo most parents are calling me up saying, here's what they don't like. My kid wasn't playing on the, on the JV baseball team. Fire that coach. Because, man, we got the blinders on. I should go put that back on. And we got them on and we're missing. We've got our blind spots. We got our blind spots in our community. We got our blind spots in our world. And we got to be learners. We got to be people that are going, I... I can't, I don't want to fight it. I got to learn. I want to grow. I mean, here I am complaining over these last couple of years in the midst of this pandemic. And then I get that call from Willie Santiago that I told some of you about last week where Willie's our friend in Cuba. And he's telling us that, that their churches can't even meet at all. And they've got no access to any ability to be able to, to broadcast it in a, an online, in, in online. And so they just, he says, they're just out there. They haven't been able to come together. He said, he said the, the vaccines, he says, they're getting some backwoods vaccines and only some people are getting them. He's saying that the communist government has raised the prices of, 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 of rice from 40 pesos to 400 pesos. And he's saying it's really, really hard right now. And all of a sudden I'm going, man, I've had blinders on to what's going on in this world. Thinking so much about what's happening in my life. Just recently, with the, with the anti-Asian racism. Man, 
when that stuff, when that's been brought to the surface, what's been happening in our friends' lives for a long time, and it's been brought to the surface, I just said, man, I gotta be a learner. I gotta learn where I've been ignorant and foolish and, and, and didn't understand. I gotta, I gotta look with a greater compassion and speak out against injustice. And I gotta be a learner because I'm talking about people. This whole last year around all the race and the, and the, and the, and the, 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 the racial injustice that we saw. And I, I would have thought that I was somebody that stands up and speaks out against racial injustice, but I have to admit, I had, to, I had a lot to learn. I walked in in June of this last year, I walked right up to Maurice and I said, Maurice, I gotta, I gotta confess something that is really embarrassing. I've never even heard of Juneteenth before. I didn't know that the 13th Amendment had anything to do with racial injustice today. I had to become a learner. And that's part of breaking down our pride and becoming humble enough to say, I want to learn. Now, you guys, hear my heart with this. Hear my heart with this. I'm not, I'm not trying to be political. That's, and in fact, I actually think that sometimes we throw that word, political, on it. As our, as our excuse to be hardened. Oh, you're being political. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about our response to the people around us and how do we love as Jesus loved the people around us. That's all I wanna do. I, I, if you call it political, I think that's, gonna, that's an issue between you and the Lord and wax and clay. I'm talking about people and how we're responding to them. See, Paul, Paul struggled with the people around him and he was blinded and the scales fell off and he saw people differently. See, this is what's happening. God, God is, is pouring out his love on each one of us. And we have to ask the question, are we a dead end to that love? where we're just receiving it? Or are we a conduit of that love and we're giving it too? God's pouring out his mercy on us. Are we a dead end to that mercy and saying, gosh, I'm so glad that God has mercy on me? Or are we a conduit for somebody else to have mercy? God's pouring out his grace on me. Does it stop with me? Or am I a conduit of that grace for somebody else? See, God is asking us to be that and to make it matter in every circle of our life. It's about people and how God wants us to respond to people. T.D. Jakes said this. He said, I need your horizontal to match your vertical. I need your horizontal to match your vertical. Love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we do that. But he said, now I want you to love your neighbors, you love yourself. Do those match? Does your horizontal match that vertical of what God is doing in your life? Does the horizontal match it in what you're doing in somebody else's life? Are we recognizing our blind spots that might be keeping that from happening? Are we recognizing where we might be clay instead of wax, and where our hearts are hardened instead of softened to it? When you start to forgive, you're a conduit of the character of Christ. When you recognize that you are passing judgment 
When we hold back judgment or opinion and lead with love, we're a conduit of Jesus' love. When you recognize that I've been thinking and focusing so much on me that I've forgotten the person right next to me, and you recognize that, and you turn outward to them, you're a conduit of Jesus' love. When you get on your knees and you look at your wife and you say, I want to make it matter what he's doing in my life, in our marriage. And I haven't been. When you're humble enough to do that, you're a conduit of all that Jesus has been asking of each one of us. It's going to take something from us. We have to, first, we got to confess, just as David did, search me, find those things in me. We got to confess. Then we got to, then we got to recognize that, that we got to be humble enough to receive somebody else's critique. Jim knew me well. We'd talk about how sometimes he'd take out a two-by-four and hit me across the side of the head with it because he knew sometimes he had to shake me. And, I'd and I wanted to receive it because I wanted to see my blind spots. Do you have people in your life that aren't afraid to tell you and will you listen? We were recognized that it's people, it's people in their lives that are at stake of how we respond to this. And will you ask the question, is the truth of Jesus that calls us out to, to everybody else to look without blinders on, is that truth of Jesus landing on hard soil? Is it landing on clay? Is it hardening? Are you fighting any chance at responding to it? Or are, is it wax that you receive it? You've got to recognize, just as we sang to begin this morning, you've got to recognize He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. And His grace and His love are right there. He sees you with grace and love. But He does want you to recognize your blind spots because He wants you to make it matter. That's the kingdom of God. He wants you to make it matter. It starts with us. Father, I pray that you would, you would help us, reveal to us, bring people in our lives. It would help us to see, to see, to see the blind spots that we don't even want to see. Because it's, it, it could bring up thoughts and, and frustrations about ourselves. God, I, I want you to help us to bring them to the surface so that we can actually deal with them. God, I pray that you would help us in our marriages, with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our workmates, with our schoolmates, in our community, in our world. God, may we be learners. God, may we be humble. May we recognize our, where we need to change. May we bring it to you. Shape our hearts. Shape our lives. God, we pray that you would help us to make this matter in this world. And God, help us to start right here inside us. We want to see people the way you see people and love the way you love. We pray that you would help us to do so this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.